May mercy and grace and peace be yours from God our Father through his Son, his only Son, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Last Sunday morning, over in the Community Life Center, I began a study of the Gospel of Mark, and I asked the question of those who were part of that Sunday morning Bible study. I asked, who from history or from your family's past would you like to meet and spend time with? As you might guess, there were a variety of responses, everything from Martin Luther to C.S. Lewis to General and then President Dwight David Eisenhower. Who would God's people like to meet? Who should God's people meet? That's the question that the writer of Hebrews is addressing in chapter 11, sometimes called the Hall of Fame of Faith. Now, we don't have time to meet and remember all of those he lists, unless if you want me to preach for two hours today. But at the beginning of chapter 5, the word tells us that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. May the Holy Spirit give us attentive ears and expectant hearts this morning to consider God's word of both law and gospel that we might discover that remembering and running and looking, we are surrounded. People God dearly loves. Chapter 11 begins with Abel, the murdered son of Adam and Eve, followed by Enoch, a mysterious man, and Noah, the ark builder, Then come Abraham, before he is Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Joseph, and Moses, the Israelites, and Rahab. Verses that we did not hear this morning from chapter 11 also list Judges Gideon and Barak, Samson and Jephthah, King David and King Solomon, unnamed prophets, and a multitude of heroes of the faith who, this is verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy. All of these lived by faith. All of these acted by faith. All of these are commended for their faith. By faith means that they could not and did not see what is yet to be seen. By faith means that they relied on God's word. By faith means that they held on to God's promises. These heroes, these saints before us, walked by faith and not by sight. Because the greater part of today's epistle is about Abraham, so will this sermon be. Last Sunday we heard these words earlier in the chapter. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out called to go out to a place not knowing where he was going. And by faith, he went to live in a land of promise, living in tents, looking forward to a city. And we also heard this about Sarah, his wife. By faith, she received power to conceive, even though she laughed at the tent, for she was past the age of childbearing, since she considered him faithful, who had promised The promise was kept, the child was born, and Sarah laughed again, but this time out of joy. But then one day, when Isaac was 12, Abraham told Sarah that he was taking their young son for a camping 
and hiking expedition, which leads us to the first verse of today's epistle. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son. He did so by faith. Trudging up the mountain, carrying the fire and the knife, even as Isaac carried the wood for the sacrifice on his back and wondered aloud, Father, where is the lamb? Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? But Abraham climbed and carried and answered his son's query by faith. God will provide the lamb for the offering. The father was ready to sacrifice his son. How? Why? Listen again to verse 19 of today's epistle, one of the most powerful verses in all of Scripture. Abraham considered that God was able to even even raise him, that is Isaac, from the dead, from which figuratively speaking he, that's Abraham, did receive him, Isaac, again, back. And the bleeding Ram caught in the thicket died in the place of the promised son. Of course, Abraham is one of the saints in that great cloud of witnesses, but this is more than an important story to tell of an ancient hero. This is a story which points to Christ Jesus. He climbed a mountain. He carried the wood of the cross on his back. He was bound tightly by our sin and guilt because God the Father was willing to sacrifice his only son, the Lamb of God, to take away the sins of the world. We should have died, but God provided our substitute. On Mount Moriah, a sheep died in place of the son. On Mount Golgotha, the son died in the place of stupid, stubborn, filthy, wandering sheep. Now, I also want to ponder Moses with you. By faith, the writer to the Hebrew says, his parents hid him from the murderous plotting of Pharaoh. By faith, Moses affirmed his true identity as an Israelite. By faith, he left, he left Egypt as a fugitive and returned as a rescuer. By faith, he painted the lamb's blood on the door frames and the destroyer passed over. By faith, he led the people through the Red Sea on dry ground. By faith, they entered the promised land and blew their trumpets and the walls of Jericho fell. What? God did for and through Abraham, he has done for us in Jesus. The God who rescued Isaac from certain death rescued his own son from the cold grave, the body pierced by thorns and nails and spear, the lifeless body carried by Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus to a never-used tomb. This body was raised and restored on the third day. And there was nothing figurative about it. Jesus lives. Jesus still lives. Jesus always lives. And so do his redeemed people. 
And what God did for and through Moses, he has done for us in Jesus. The blood of the Lamb was shed, and guilt and punishment pass over us, for they are taken by our Savior. He carries that burden. The wall which separates sinners from the holy God collapses when Jesus suffers and dies, and we enter the promised land, a homeland we have never been to through the parted waters of holy baptism. This is the salvation story. This is the storm of the Lord's justice overcome by the storm of our Lord's mercy. This is what we claim and cling to by faith. And all of this means that the remembering saints of God are surrounded as we are running, always looking to Jesus, the hero greater than any other hero. We are surrounded by those who have gone before us, for they are still with us. This great cloud hovers over us every Sunday, as I will soon pray in the proper preface of the communion service. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, the great cloud includes Not only the biblical heroes named in Hebrews 11, it includes those who have walked by faith and in faith with us in our crown of life family. Who are these saints? I could have gone back a number of years, but I went back two. In the past two years, we have confessed the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting at the funerals of Lois Rompel on August 10, 2020, of Patty Ellis on August 18, 2020, of Paul Sanders on January 23, 2021, of Layla Pfeiffer on May 18, 2021, of Barbara Wang on July 7, 2021, of Gary White on December 7, 2021, and this year of Roosevelt Eubanks on March 25th, of Lynn Kralo on June 4th, and of Luke Bird this past Monday, August 8th. Surrounded by saints, we are running, and running, we are looking at Jesus. Not to see our model and then say, if he can do it, so can I. Or if he can tough it out, I can make it too. We fix our gaze on him to see where he has gone for us and why he must go there for us. He is the founder, the author, the originator of our faith, and he is the perfecter and the completer of our faith. He saw the shameful cross before him. That's what Jesus is speaking of in Luke 12, the baptism he must be baptized with. And he went there before us. He endured for us. He carried the burden only he could carry all the way to death. Because Jesus saw beyond the cross 
beyond what he would willingly endure. Beyond that, he saw the joy, the joy of his victory, the joy of well done, good and faithful servant, which is the joy of our salvation, of yours and of mine, of everyone who knows and believes in Jesus Christ by faith. Surrounded by all these called to be saints, this great cloud of witnesses, we run the race set before us. But we are not alone, and we are never alone. The Tour de France ended three weeks ago today, the greatest of all bicycling races. It's made up of, it was made up of 21 stages, one transport day, and two rest days for a total of 2,068 miles, which, interestingly, was the shortest Tour de France since 2002. Now, I suspect that if you know this race at all, you think that it's all about the individual, the fastest rider, the one who wears the yellow jersey at the final stage after Paris. But if you think that, you're wrong. Because cycling is a team sport. A team has a primary rider, but it also has specialists. It even has some riders called domestiques. They're the domestics, the servants. They're the ones who load up with water bottles and carry them and give them to the other riders. They're the ones who circle back, who, who pull back because somebody else had a flat tire or, or a mechanical failure and they need to pull them back up to the front of the peloton. Yes, there are times in this race when a cyclist struggles up a steep pass in the Alps of the Pyrenees all by himself. But Team Jumbo Visma put Jonas Vinegar at the top of the podium because they surrounded him with the strongest, most cohesive team. We're not cycling. We're running. We're running together looking to Jesus every step of the way, supporting each other, encouraging each other, so that all of our brothers and sisters in Christ will finish the race and join us in surrounding our Lord, who is seated in glory at the right hand of the throne of God. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.